You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And it's time for remembering Desert Storm and Desert Shield. It's very important to us today, as as we all know. And uh, as we have started with all of our veteran shows, we start out with an invocation and uh, just a moment of silence and a silent prayer for all of those that have served and those that are veterans and those that are on active duty. And I've got a special prayer today for my son who's on active duty. And uh, I I won't go into details, but uh, it's very important. And uh, he's a major in the Air Force, and uh, he's going through an experience that no one ever wants to go through. But anyway, we'll uh, leave that like it is. We got Phil's Fors- Philip Forsberg on the line, Lieutenant Colonel retired, and um, we'll take our moment of silence right now. Thank you for taking out a moment and thinking about our veterans that have served, our military that's serving today, and uh, those that have given the ultimate, and we owe so much to. And uh, Phil, welcome to America's Web Radio again, and your show, Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Arm. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me and giving me this opportunity. I appreciate it. Well, for those that don't know, Phil is a retired lieutenant colonel, and uh, we thank you for your service, and we we just thank everybody for their service that have raised their hand and pledged to give the ultimate, and then we see some of the things that are going on today that are just absolutely beyond the pale and um, I don't know whether you want to I'll leave this entirely up to you Phil whether you want to comment on what's going on in Afghanistan right now or if you just rather drop it and go on to remembering when we first went in there Uh, you know I uh, I haven't been on the ground in Afghanistan and 
uh, I know many people who have. Uh, I know some folks who have given their lives there. Um, I don't want to speak from a position of ignorance. You know, each person's uh, situation and their experience in, in any particular theater is different from everyone else's, but I would say um, we really need to uh, pray for our folks on the ground there. Um, pray for the uh, the innocent civilians, uh, those who are American and those who are not American that just want out of there uh, and out from under that uh, horrible situation. So um, I, w I would say there's an immense amount of value in um, our civilian political leaders listening to the frank voices of our military leaders. And, um, <clears throat> I, you know, it just puts me in mind that from U.S. Grant until William McKinley, not one man served as President of the United States who had not been at least a colonel in the Union Army. Um, and today, uh, it today I don't know if we have general officers that uh, are not um, complete politicians, and it's, um, it's a sad thing to see um, people that give so little attention to uh, the lives of uh, our brave troops, and uh, I'll just let it go at that. Well, I I appreciate every word that you said, and uh, you know I've I've often said on this program on, on all of our veteran programs that I feel that no one should serve in Congress and in the White House that hasn't served in the military in some shape, form, or fashion. And you know what it tells me about a politician if they haven't served they care more about being a politician than they do our country and protecting our country for our kids that are coming and everybody else. And that, you know, I'm always proud still, Phil, and I sure, I'm sure you are too, when the flag goes by, I'm always excited to be able to salute and you know one of the things that used to gall me the most was when and I realize it's protocol but when some of our presidents would get off of Marine One and salute and you know particularly two that I have in mind that never served a day and one of them is the cause of where we're at right now. And uh, I respect our flag. I respect our men and women in uniform. And those that haven't served and those that are making decisions that shouldn't be making decisions now, I have no respect for them. 
So, when you first landed in the Middle East, did you ever anticipate something like this? Well, <clears throat> quite frankly, when I uh, when I arrived in Saudi Arabia on the 23rd of September 1990, um, there were no active hostilities. Um, the <clears throat> Saddam had invaded Kuwait and uh, had gone in there and basically come to rest where he was, um, abusing the, the folks in uh, in Kuwait. Uh, and uh, we were standing in a position of, uh, well, interposing ourselves between uh, Saddam and uh, the Saudi oil fields. And... Um, so it was, uh, you know, we had no idea what uh, what exactly was going to transpire. Uh, well, <clears throat> I won't say we had no idea. We had no sh- sure uh, assurance at all, you know, that we were going to fight or that uh, you know that a fight would actually happen. Um, we were very, very sure that we were trained for that purpose and could acquit ourselves uh, quite well, which I think history will judge that we did. Absolutely. Um, But, uh, you know, it it was full of ambiguity. And, of course, there's all sorts of rumors that float around, and um, some some folks were saying, oh, uh, we're only here for six months and uh, others, you know... Wait, wait a second, got to interrupt you, sir. Yeah. Rumors float around in the military? Can you believe that? I, I'm, yeah. I'm sitting here having a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, yeah. we're, we're getting out tomorrow, by the way. I don't know where we're getting out of, but we're getting out tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, you know, we used to have... Uh, we used to uh, have, uh, uh, you know, saying, you know, we didn't believe somebody was saying, we would just say, oh, yeah, we don't have to walk out this time. There's going to be hot chow in the LZ. Chinooks <laughs> will take us home. You know, of course, never happened. Never happened. <laughs> but there are a few rumors that are floating around uh, from uh, uh, O-Dark 30 until O-Dark 30. Yeah, you, but you know, <clears throat> thinking of what's going on uh, in Afghanistan right now is just—it's it, hard to describe for people that that have never uh, been in a situation where civilization is not there, and uh, you, you know we. Uh, I, mean, I know you make light of your uh, service because you're, you know, in the guard and then in the reserve, and and didn't, didn't go overseas or to combat. But you know, you'll realize that during your training, they took you out of garrison and put you into the woods, and you know, you had to learn about how you were going to sustain all of your life functions, eating and sleeping, and you know, eliminating the wonderful chow they gave you and uh, all that <laughs> other stuff. 
and uh, you know it, it, it all goes toward um, an education in what it takes to conduct warfare because in addition to <clears throat> all these other things where you don't have the, uh, the resources that you're accustomed to you also uh, are engaged in uh, uh, life or death combat so um, it, it really steps things up and uh, you know I, I can't imagine uh, who might have uh, suggested a plan whereby we took away all of our muscle uh, and then expected everybody else to just be able to walk out of there or something. I didn't. I don't know. Reminds me of uh, Blanche Dubois and the streetcar named Desire. <laughs> She's always counted on the kindness of strangers. Well, other than your buddy, there are no friends in war, are there? That's why it's a war. We have our opinion, and the ones on the other side of the line have their opinion, and and their actions over the years should have spoken loudly enough that we knew what they'll do. Yeah, I... I I see people making statements these days of, you know, well, we hope this or we hope that. I tell you what, woe be the tide to anyone who had spoken anything, uttered anything that foolish to uh, to Norman Schwarzkopf, hmm. because you know the the immediate response to that is that hope is not a plan. We don't, and we don't do things without planning. And don't you know he's rolling? Well, he was a great man, and I <clears throat> I had the pleasure of meeting him in uh, in Tampa, Florida, um, back after he had retired. I just stopped by and mentioned to him that I had worked for him, although he never knew my name. I worked for him uh, in the desert flying the, those uh, surveillance missions and... Uh, providing intel for his units and uh, he was uh, he was a very gracious man and uh, I think he died of uh, pancreatic cancer uh, not long after I talked to him you know we need we need some leadership up and down the line like General Schwarzkopf and uh, it's unfortunate that uh some of the people in military power today, I wonder exactly what uh, Storm and Norman would do to them, other than fire them. But it's amazing what, in my opinion, if you look at if you look at our uh, Secretary of Defense, you look at our Under Secretary of Defense, and. Uh, Their records aren't real good, in my opinion. And whoever, like you said, whoever designed this plan was not a combat engineer by any means. And 
you know, and this is this is where, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't expect every president to be a military genius or anything. I do expect them to ask questions, and you know, where they're not, where they don't have first-hand knowledge to ask why would we do this, why would we do that, and then make a decision. But this this is so far out of hand, it's, it's beyond my belief. Would you ever, let me ask you this, you know, it's sort of like the old thing of the captain going down with the ship. What was your first thought when you were doing something uh, as in a leadership position? Wasn't it your well, men? <clears throat> um, you know, you always fall back on your training, and my training told me that the most important thing was to accomplish the mission, and then the second most important thing was to take care of my men, and the only reason that taking care of my men was so important was because that's who was going to accomplish the mission. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, if you see your buddies' lives being squandered by thoughtless politicians, um, it really will affect your decision whether to serve or to stay in. Um, or even to encourage your, uh, your your sons to do the service that you did. And I'm sad to say that. Well, I've mentioned this, and many others have mentioned it as well. At my age, and I'm 74, and I've always been... I don't know. I've just always loved the flag, and I've always been attuned to what's going on. And even through Vietnam, I've never, ever been ashamed of our country until now. And I sit here today talking to you, Phil, and I have a hard time believing what has transpired and with no good answer. And I just think when we start seeing those M16s coming back across our border or our technology sold to China and Russia, I just, it drives me crazy. And I, uh, I'm just one guy and I can't do anything about it other than rest assured you can imagine where my vote's going. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, uh, it's, it's a serious thing, and, and, and people need to be more serious when they choose the leaders for our country. They just really need to. And, you know, and I'll tell you another thing, that <clears throat> the silliness that uh, you get put through if you volunteer to do something like lead our country, uh, it just it would cause anybody but a complete scoundrel and fraud to uh, to walk away and, and not have any part of it. I mean, look at what they did to General Flynn. Oh. 
Yes, sir. I I don't know what to say to that, but I I agree in in total, and I look at what we've got right now in uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs and the Undersecretary or the Secretary of Defense, Undersecretary of Defense, and uh, it's all got to change, and soon. But it all has to change. And uh, you're right. What they did to uh, General Flynn was, well, one, was unnecessary and proven to be wrong. So, and you never hear when it's proven to be wrong, that side of the story blasted out all over the place. An apology here, an apology there. You never hear that or see it. It's just the bad taste that was left in your mouth and... <clears throat> And they move on. It's, it's very sad. It is. And I guess the other thing that worries me is there's so many underlying things that are happening. For instance, the, uh, the situa- situation with COVID and the mask or no mask or this or that or a mandate coming down from the White House or a mandate this, a mandate that, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stomp on the governors of states. You know, this is all the precursor to socialism and then communism. And I'm ashamed of the public and they probably don't like me too well either but I'm ashamed of our public that doesn't realize this and and uh, oh socialism's fine socialism socialism has never worked and if you want to destroy a military socialism's a good way to do it well <clears throat> you know uh, as far as your mask mandates take a look on the news see those guys, those uh, soldiers from the uh, 10th Mountain Division and the Marines and the various uh, other folks who've unfortunately been sent back to try to fix things, and you'll see them standing shoulder to shoulder in their complete battle rattle. Not one of them's wearing a mask, and not one of them's practicing social distancing. And if you were to even suggest something like that to them, you might be met <laughs> with um, a, a very angry response. And they're the best of the best. In fact, I would say across the board, right this second, we have the best military personnel of any country in the world. And uh, I don't know how much longer they're going to put up with some of the Shenanigans that are being pulled in D.C. and we, You know, we have the best armed forces, but if you squander them, you won't have them, I promise you. That's very true. But hopefully they won't let us, and they will speak up and react before they're squandered, as you say. And our other problems haven't gone away. No. The, the crime in our cities, the crisis at the border, the 
deadly Chinese-made fentanyl pouring in across the border from the cartels. You know, this is this is China's opium war against us. And I hate to say it, but right at the moment, they're winning. And this is something, you know, I finally, I'd been saying this since uh, last Monday, I guess, or before, that the situation in Afghanistan, it's not just in Afghanistan. Our southern border, the door is wide open And don't think the Taliban and ISIS and Al-Qaeda is not coming through the door, because they are. And what we're going to be facing in the near future, if we don't have a a very well-funded police force and a very well-trained guard, we're going to be in deep trouble. And that's not just in Texas. That's going to be across the country. The crook always goes where the easiest hit is. And wherever they find it the easiest, that's where they'll be. Texas, unfortunately, is just one of the little ports of entry. But, I mean, our whole country is connected to Texas. Yes, sir. And uh, as fast as they come across the border... They have a better plan than we had leaving Afghanistan because they've got friends and relatives here that are picking them up and taking them and saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is, this is how we're going to do it. And I expect, personally, the crime rate across the country has already skyrocketed or has already increased considerably. But we're in for things that we never anticipated. And it's all due to our policy in Afghanistan. And our open-door policy at the borders. Absolutely ludicrous. uh, I'd like to say something, uh, David. To, um, to the veterans who are observing this, folks who've either uh, served in Iraq or Afghanistan or just uh, that, have, that have served, maybe never even heard a shot fired in anger, but they, they knew that their life was pledged, you know, to something greater than themselves. And now they're, they're witnessing this and... It is causing a great deal of um, depression and um, just <clears throat> these, you know, young men and women who, who've experienced these things. There's a great de- great danger of uh, in- increases in suicide, and and I'm getting messages daily from. Uh, the VA and, and veterans organizations uh, encouraging veterans to reach out if they're feeling hopeless in this time, reach out uh, and and get the help that's available to them. Um, and, uh, you know, on that note, I would like to suggest anybody experiencing this kind of, of uh, depression or, or uh, 
just confusion, would uh, please reach out uh, to uh, your, the VA or, you know, if you're not getting any success with the VA, then reach out to <clears throat> your veteran service organization, your, uh, your VFW, uh, your DAV, Disabled American Veterans, Veterans of Foreign Wars, or um, American Legion, and, and just tell them that you're needing help you're needing help coping with this because it is serious, serious business. And there's also an organization, and I'm going to play a spot farm, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, right now. It's uh, Warriors to Citizens, and uh, Rocky Blyer is a big supporter of theirs, as is Joe DeLapp and uh, many others that they know that there are many of you out there that are needing help, and they're, and it's you know, let me ask you, Phil. I I can appreciate people saying, well, you know, I'm embarrassed, or I'm this, or I'm that, and I don't, you know, you got to get over that and go get help because that help helps with your family and everything else, you know, and uh, that's what you need to do. So listen to this and. Uh, We'll be back with Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Forsberg right after this. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. Hello, my name is Rick White, and I'm the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. I want to encourage all Georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And if you are a Georgia veteran, then the definition of a Georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of Georgia, or you've lived here 10 years, or you were raised your right hand and joined the military in this state, you are considered a Georgia veteran. For further information, go to www.gmbhof.org, or you can contact me at 678-427-0915. We'd love to have your nomination for the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we do appreciate you listening, particularly today as we ask that everybody prays for our civilians and our soldiers that are still in the Middle East, in Afghanistan, trying to get out. And pray for those that have served and have given the ultimate sacrifice. And we're just very fortunate to know, like Colonel Phil, Philip Forsberg and many others, Rick White and Roger Wise and so many others that have served our country well and love our country and love our flag. And if you're a veteran, get your grandkids up on your knees or your kids 
and explain to them what you did in the military and also explain to them the importance of our country and the flag that it represents. You know, we're, we're missing a lot of that in our public schools and even in our private schools. We're not getting the, the relationship that you and I probably had, Philip, to our flag every morning and our pledge to the, of allegiance to the flag and one nation under God, indivisible with justice for all. And we, uh, we're just missing this, and I think this is hurting us and will continue to hurt us until we get back to it. That's my opinion. Well, I agree, David. And, <clears throat> you know, in thinking of that uh, Pledge of Allegiance, that, that pledge really was, was designed to try to help heal our nation after the Civil War to explain to people that we are one nation under God and we're indivisible. We can't divide up our nation. And it has liberty and justice for all, for everyone. And you know, today, there are people who say that that's racist and it's the furthest thing from it. It's the best thing for it. And, you know, a war, a military, doesn't really, at least this has been my experience, doesn't look at race, color, or creed. They look at your name tag, and you're a soldier, or you're an airman, or you're what a sailor. Whatever, but you're an American first because on your right arm is that flag. <clears throat> it's very, very important for folks to uh, to, to recognize uh, that you know when, when we send these guys out there, they they have the flag and country and and everything uh, in mind when they're swearing that oath. But by the time they get out where they're going and the bullets are flying and people next to them are dying, they're really fighting for that guy on their left and their right because they know that that guy on their left or their right is fighting for them. And they have to, they have to get <clears throat> together behind this cause to make it out alive. Can you name one other, and, I, and when I use the word organization, I take in all of the military, but one other organization that is so dependent on the person right, left, uh, front, and back of you? Well, I think, you know, the only other comparison might be um, in, in law enforcement, or, uh, you know, and our firefighters and paramedics, you know, they, they heavily depend on each other. Um, and then similar, it's, it's life and death situation with those folks. And this brings up the other point that I continue to make. We are a country of first responders. We are a country that responds first 
in everything. And the world has come to realize when they need something, they can count on the United States. Now they're questioning that, and that drives me up a wall. Because I want everybody, when I walk through an airport or when, I, when I'm any place, and I sort of stick out like a sore thumb anyway, besides an American, I'm also a Texan, but, and they listen to me talk, and they know I'm not exactly from uh, France or England or any proper English-speaking country, not, not France, but any other English-speaking country. But they know I'm an American, and I want them to come over and thank me for, you know, America's the most wonderful country in the world. And we are, but we've let down the world right now, in my opinion, and that can't, that can't continue. No, I agree, and <clears throat> we'll... Uh... I'm hoping that we'll have an opportunity to uh, to rebuild and and make a better day. Well, some things are going to have to change, and uh, and people that understand responsibility and loyalty and right from wrong are going to have to be in leadership positions in our country, in my opinion. Uh, we, we, we can't go on letting down our allies and the rest of the world. Um, they're dependent on us. We're to get to a point where, where we're tired enough of the nonsense and the, and the easy um, lies that, that politicians tell us. And, and insist that we get truthful men and women leading us. Yes, sir. It will happen. You know, what goes around comes around, and hopefully it's sort of like the disaster of the COVID. You know, people are waking up, and not the woke movement, waking up to... A lot of things, and I believe that, and I've always believed this, that someone else is in charge, a higher being is in charge, and that we'll come back around and we will ultimately, again, be the greatest country in the world, maybe even better than we were. That that would be nice, you know... But, uh, you know, the, the sad part is that all of this is avoidable. Um, and, if, if, you know, if people, there are many of us that could have told everyone what, what would happen if we went down this road. Um, but it wasn't a popular um, thing to say or hear. So it... Uh, it's not that people weren't saying it, it's just people didn't want to listen to it. Well, you know, there's an old saying, Phil, about, and I think the uh, Democratic Party uh, probably uh, displays this more than any other party, but don't confuse me with facts. 
my mind's made up. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you can't I was make... once in a congressional hearing, a Senate, uh, Senate hearing, and uh, I heard uh, Senator Ted Kennedy say, we're not here to discuss the facts. Then why were they there? <laughs> uh, get, to get him reelected, I suppose. You know, it's that's that's a a terrible, terrible quote, isn't it? We're not here to discuss the facts. <laughs> hmm. I almost swallowed my tongue. I can imagine that, uh, but I think that's depicts that says a lot doesn't it yeah and uh so it's it's uh it's one of those things i i think because i'm an op- optimist that in many ways the taliban may have bitten off more than they can chew and uh if we can find some good leadership. We certainly have the wherewithal to recapture our armament, and we also have the wherewithal to get our folks out. And the Taliban, you know, (laughs) the Taliban didn't win anything at all. We have someone that gave away everything. But the Taliban didn't win anything. And don't ever forget that. And if they come into my neighborhood, they're going to meet a veteran. And that goes for Taliban, Antifa, ISIS, whoever or whatever. And my neighbors would back me up and support me. And I think they would find that it's just like just like Japan said, we're not going to invade America. Behind every blade of grass, there's a weapon. And uh, I think our enemies will find that to be true as well. And we have one of the greatest standing forces in the world, and that's called the Two Million Veterans. And uh, Phil, over the time, I've I've talked to many veterans and and a lot from uh, Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and uh, I've asked in many occasions if the if the country called you, would you return? And I've never had anyone say anything, but where do I sign? Yeah, um, you know we. We're dedicated to our country, and we'll serve our country. We've served before, and we'll serve again, and we'll we'll do what it takes. And I have, you know, on that note, David, I'd like to say <clears throat> that I have veterans that I, that, you know, that I work with as uh, in my capacity as a volunteer service officer with the Disabled American Veterans, and you know. It would surprise you to learn that some of these guys are reluctant to uh, file 
claims for the benefits they've earned uh, because they they feel like well that you know I don't really deserve that and uh, you know I have to tell them listen you, you know this is not this is not charity this is something that you've earned and it's codified in public law if it weren't they couldn't give it to you but if we have if our country has the uh, enough resources to give billions of dollars to Iran to murder our troops, then uh, we have enough money to take care of our veterans. Well, I've got to add one side note to that, that our National Archives in St. Louis, Missouri, the personnel administration portion of it is still closed. And I brought this up to you before, Phil. If you or I, I need our records, we can't get it because the bureaucrats have closed the establishment that has our records in it. And you call them, and, well, we've been closed since March the 29th, and uh, turn in your order, and we'll try to get some, something done within the next 90 to 150 days. And it's been 90 days in my case, and nothing's been done. And it should be a matter of a phone call, not a bunch of bureaucratic baloney like what they're doing. And these people, keep in mind, as a taxpayer, these people have never missed a check, and they haven't worked since March the 29th. And when you and I and many others took the oath... We promised to give our ultimate, and if it meant the ultimate sacrifice, we signed the paper. And on the other side of the table was, and you're more aware of this than I am, Phil, on the other side of the table was the government saying, if you sign up, then we're going to do this and this and this for you when you get out. Somebody at the table was lying. And I hate to think that it's our government Again, not taking care of the veterans. Well, you know, and one one of the reasons that I have a passion for helping veterans file their claims with the VA and get what their government has promised them is because I don't. I have a bit of a grudge. I, I don't like to see people drawing a check and not doing their work and not, not doing what they're paid to do. And, uh, you know, these guys, <clears throat> when it was their butts in the sand, you know, they weren't half-stepping. They, they were giving their all. And they come back, and it seems like, you know, taking care of them is at the convenience, uh, you know, of those living on government largesse. There's something wrong with that picture, isn't there? Yes. Or as I said in my letter to my congressman the other day, you know, those who are who have pledged their lives so that failure could not be an option being served by people who for whom failure is the default. You know, I would 
like to take some of these people that are there drawing their paycheck every two weeks and introduce them to a Tommy Clack and some others that I know that are so deserving. And, uh, you know, this, they just, those folks in St. Louis that are sitting there drawing a check, they need to meet some of the veterans. Or the veterans need to roll up to their door and let them know what they think, you know. And, you know, this, this is the other thing, too. We vote and we elect people to do a job for us. And when we call them, we expect to uh, get an answer and to get help. And I've called my representative and my two senators. Oh, yeah, we know about it. Thanks for calling. Wait a second. What are you doing about it? Well, there's not really a lot that we can do. But we know about it, and we're talking to them. You know, this world is going to drown one day, in, or this country is going to drown one day in, in bull. And we can't, we can't go on like this. We have to keep our veterans first and our country first. I agree. I agree. Um, <clears throat> oh. So. So. Next. Well, we haven't spent much time on Desert Shield and Desert Storm. No. Have you got something else we could address there right quick? I would love to. Well, uh, I, uh, I can tell you that uh, for those interested in, in, you know, what went on in Desert Shield and Desert Storm, we, uh, I think we ate pretty good over there. <laughs> we, uh, <clears throat> we had, uh, you know, they were telling us, so we're not, you know, you're in Saudi Arabia, there's not going to be any pork. Well, we had pork. <laughs> <laughs> And it was pretty good. It was uh, served in up our in our mess hall, and uh, and uh, we had our choice of bacon, ham, sausage every morning for breakfast. And so, never fear, the American soldiers were on their pork. That's good. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. You know, uh, what's the old saying about fighting uh, on your stomach or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, Napoleon said. An army travels on its stomach. And, uh, you know, I must say that uh, in most cases, military chow is very good. And I used to love that portion of the roast that was burned. That had the most flavor, and it was delicious. And uh, the uh, Cooks and I got to know each other, and and uh, they would always save out the uh, burn portion for me, and it was always good. Uh, you know, I I don't know of a military that tries any harder than ours does, even on on uh, military on holidays and on other days. Uh, let me ask you, Phil, I had a jerk call the other day 
And uh, we don't generally do this at all. And there's a reason for it, but um, we let this guy in in an open line. And he started off that he was a patriot and this and that and that. But he never served, but he was a patriot. And that one of the patriotic things that he did was every, every holiday that was military-oriented, he'd go to his Army-Navy store and buy a new uniform. And he said, I loved walking around in it and having people thank me for my service. And shortly after that, he said a few other things, and he was off the air. But I couldn't imagine somebody doing that. I can remember when I was ordered not to wear my uniform through the airport. But, you know, that's there's some sickos out there, aren't there? <laughs> he was a poser. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah you get them. Uh, well, sometimes we call them PX heroes, you know, go over to clothing sales and get themselves. We used to say, oh, <clears throat> why well, work so hard to get a Ranger tab? You know, they sell them over at clothing sales. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know if you're imitating or, or uh, saying you're an officer, there, there's a law against that. Is there for enlisted? Oh yeah, Am, impersonating yeah. Uh, en- enlisted for for uh, wearing military awards they've never been given. Um, that's serious business. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, years ago it was it was difficult to, and now they just they sell those awards at, at the clothing sales. You, can, I'm sure you can buy them online too. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, I can't imagine. How uh, just uh, how contemptuous I would feel of myself if I ever did something like that. Well, I don't think this guy had a conscience anyway. So, um, you know, to even think of it would be—I I, just—I can't imagine it. And you know, I no longer—I don't have a uniform anymore. And and. Uh, even if I did, I had a leak in my closet that shrunk the sucker, and uh, so I couldn't I couldn't get my big toe in it anyway. But um, you know, I I was very proud of it, and I was hurt when I couldn't wear it coming home. You know, uh, and I love my uh, I was very proud of the fact that that I had my uh, light blue baby blue braid. You know, on the on my shoulder, on my arm, and uh, indicating that I was infantry. And, uh, you know, but we all have our... The only thing I have left is my Cochrane jump boots. <laughs> that uh, Well, yeah, I believe I've hung up all my spurs and saddles. <laughs> well, I keep them in case it snows. But... You know, this is, you know, it, it's like, and I appreciate your f- feelings towards me that that I did serve, and, and I did. I put my six years in. But at the same token, uh, 
we're all brothers and sisters that have raised our hand because we all, no matter what the circumstance, it could have been, you know. I was called out once when uh, I was in the guard, and uh, thankfully nothing happened, but I was there if they needed me, and uh, that's about all you can do. And, you know, right now we have a lot a lot of the active duty folks that were Army Reserve or National Guard. And, uh, you know, the first time they were called out, they didn't show well. But since then, I think the Army has realized they can depend on the reservists, be it National Guard or Army Reserve. And uh, so I was... Guard and Reserve have really been fantastic partners, you know, with the active Army uh, over the years, actually, since 9-11, maybe a little before that. Um, uh, you know, before that, there was some, <clears throat> well, you know, I served at National Guard Bureau back when there was some real bad feelings between the active and the, and the Guard, but uh, those things have all been moved out by a show of superior service let's say that well it still boils down to one thing and that's we're Americans and service or no service we're still Americans and everybody should be proud of our military whether they served or didn't serve they're still we're still the best in the world. And we're going to have to get out of here. I've let the time slip by. And, uh, Phil, thank you for today. And I will talk to you before next Monday. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll come up with some other things. And hopefully there will be a solution to uh, what's going on in Afghanistan. And uh, we might give the powers that be some some advice plan that's p-l-a-n plan and uh, hopefully they'll they'll take our advice but uh, i'm not going to hold my breath on it anyway phil thank you have a good weekend and uh, we'll talk to you next week thank you david yes sir take care bye-bye you're listening to america's web radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com thank you for listening